This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. The is it morning yet deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Wake up with a little splash of sweetness. Get any size iced coffee from caramel to hazelnut to French vanilla for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. We're moving in a new direction. Moving forward and moving beyond smoking. We are Altria and our companies are leading the way in moving adult smokers away from cigarettes by taking action to transition millions toward potentially less harmful choices as we move from being known as a tobacco company to being recognized as a tobacco harm reduction company. Altria is moving beyond smoking. Find out how at Altria.com. Hi, welcome back. This is another episode of Into the Lion's Den. It's a weekly chat show where we dig a little bit deeper than normal. We talk to ex-Mill players about their playing careers, their personal life, and really just delve a little bit deeper uh, than most other uh, shows do. Remember, if you do like these shows or you just wish to make a suggestion for a player, then do do leave us a review or please do comment. You can contact us on social media uh, or you can contact us by email. Our email address is lambillwallpodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, without further ado, let's crack on with this week's episode. This week's guest is Chano Samba. Hey, we're joined by another footballer, another previous Millwall player, uh, Chano Samba. How you doing, mate? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. Not too bad, Omar. How are you? Not too bad, thank you. Thanks for your time tonight. I'm joined also by Neil. You all right, Neil? Hello, Omar. How you going, mate? You all right? All good. So, yeah, obviously, if anyone's unaware, Chano Samba started his career at Millwall back in the day. 2000s, wasn't it, Chano, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then um, he's he continued obviously over a few years. Uh, played for so I think he had talks Manchester United and Liverpool. We've got in the show notes here um, <laughs> from the two thousand. Yeah, um, and obviously you went on. To, I think two million pound deals apparently was supposedly muted along the way with Liverpool, but obviously you agreed them to go three year deal with Mill and was a Championship manager legend, which we'll get on to in a little while. Obviously, something myself being a little bit of a geek of the Championship manager, something kind yeah. sticks in the memory. But I think Neil's got a question to kick it off with anyway. So. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, we'll just start off with your early life. Obviously, you were born in the Gambia, weren't you? And then you mm-hmm. moved to the UK at six. Yeah. 
and you lived near Vicarage Road, Watford's ground. Yeah, yeah, because my, my, my parents were there at the time. So well, I didn't live long there. I think it was like a few months. And then my dad had a good job in London. So we had to move to Peckham. <laughs> <laughs> you, you lived... Yeah, well, that must have been a bit of a culture shock. <laughs> it was, to be honest, but yeah, I just got used to it very pretty quickly. And you started playing for Mottingham Youth, didn't you? And you had a trial at Charlton. How did all that come about, Jonah? Um, It was my football school team, actually. I was at um, Oliver Goldsmith, and um, I remember I started at Oliver Goldsmith, and I was actually in goal. Um, but I was standing there for so long. And the ball wasn't coming to me. So when the ball came to me, I just got the ball and started running at everyone and then scored. And then since then, that's when it just, you know, everyone started talking. And um, I was playing for Martinham, but then I had, it, had to go at um, Charlton. So, um, but it was so far where we lived in in, um, in Peckham, travel to Charlton. So uh, my mum and dad said, look, this is not going to be, you know, it's not going to be ideal. And then um, luckily Millwall came and it was just no brainer that, you know, it was my, you know, boyhood club, mate. You did you, um, sorry, to in. Did you know about Mill, obviously, like obviously being local area, was <clears> showing, <throat> he was aware of as soon as you came to the area? or Yeah, yeah, of course. As soon as we came down, I started supporting them straight away because, um, like I said, it was, you know, near near, near my house. So um, I, I started, you know, supporting Mill. So when they came calling, I was like really chuffed because I thought this is my, you know, childhood club. So there's no nowhere else to go than Mill. Of course. So you actually scored five goals against Millwall, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did actually. Friendly. Yeah, I did. I was um, it was um, uh, for uh, for Mottingham, and then that's when they started taking notice, I guess, because after that, I think it was about five of us, and they spoke to the manager and said, "Look, I think we need all five of them." And um, we went there, and then you know, the rest were history, as they say. But yeah, I did score five against them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, all five of you actually formed the nucleus of quite a good team, didn't you? Yes, yeah, we did. Yeah, the famous five. Mm-hmm. We did, we did. We were very strong because um, we had a guy that was a centre-back, you know, a, a guy that was in midfield, a guy that was in the wing, and I was up top with someone else. So it was like, you know, the the, the, the spine of a team. So we were very, very, very strong. And Yeah, well, I guess you're all... Yeah, from the same sort of area. So did you know each other fairly well? We did. Yeah, we did. We did because um, most of them, I think it was three or four of us actually that that were around South East London as well, Peckham. So, and we went to the same school as well. So, um, so we did know each other and it was just, you know, nice and just to go together as a five. And then, um, you know, we, we, we kept in, you know, we kept as a friend and just, just, just kicked on from there. Did you find football easy at that age? I did. It was more enjoyable. I, I wasn't thinking about it as in anything. I was just enjoying myself and just love what I was doing with my mates. So it was about doing nutmegs, scoring the spectacular goals, just free, just enjoy football as a kid. So there was nothing, no pressure at that time. And um, yeah, it's you know what I would give back now to be that 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 child again, honestly. Yeah, it always seems to be the carefree and yeah, but it's always the best times of your life, isn't it? When you're having a yeah, when you're having a kick about jumpers for goalposts, that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So um yeah, it was just fun time. It was just fun. You, you know, we, we used to talk about it 
you know, oh, tomorrow when we when we play a game, I'm gonna I'm gonna kick, I'm gonna do a bicycle kick, oh, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that, and then we actually do it because then we will talk about it after the game. So it was just, you know, as I said, it was just, you know, enjoyment, enjoyment time at the at that time. Yeah, well, the, yeah, well, a bicycle kick must have gone down well on the estate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so where exactly was it? Sorry, Jono, where about Simpeckham you grew up? So was it close, uh, very close Peckham, to the den or? Yeah, 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 about uh, 15 minutes from my house. Yeah, so it's not, not far from there. So I grew up in, um, near, I don't know if you know uh, Peckham, but it's like um, Southampton Way. So it's okay, not, yeah, 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 exactly. So just around there. So that's where, yeah, we did everything, mate. Exactly right. <laughs> it's Kew Gardens, wasn't it? Yeah, it's Kew Garden. There you go. Exactly. Yeah, well, exactly. I'm, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. The Marie Curie house. So I know yeah, exactly yeah, 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 yeah. So you once scored 132 goals in 32 games for your school in one season. How does that work? You must have been just picking up the ball and <laughs> just running around yeah. everyone. Well, you know, my, 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 my strength was I was just so possessive with just scoring goals. I was just obsessed with scoring goals, sorry. And all I cared about was just scoring goals. And, um, you know, I remember there was times where I was scoring five, six, seven goals a game. And that just stayed up. And, you know, it's just all I cared about was after the game, how many did I score? It wasn't about, you know, how great I played or anything. It's just putting that ball at the back of the net. You got it right first time. You were possessed. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> so was it too easy for you playing at school? It was easy. It was easy. I felt um, I didn't need to do much. Um, I was, you know, if I must say, I was better than everyone else on the pitch. I believed that at the time. And I've always, I was, I'm, you know, I'm always a very confident person. So it was a matter of, all right, it's time for me to score now and just get a ball and do what I need to do. So it was that that easy, to be honest, yeah. So what was your win bonus at school for scoring? God, yeah. We didn't get nothing. Probably a biscuit and... <laughs> you probably cake and custard, mate. Goal or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> so when was... So it was after that Millwall friendly that Millwall started... Paying a bit of attention to you was it? Yeah, did yeah. you? Yeah, you followed Harry Garber there, didn't you? Who was your yes, best? yes. So Harry was um, he was a, he was our coach at Mottenham. So Mill um, spoke to him and said, "Look, I think it's best for you to come um, and just take the boy with Mill." So um, we went, we all went, and then that was it. So he became our coach as well at Mill. So um, and we were just unstoppable. Uh, and I remember we used to beat teams like Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea, you know, QPR, uh, Charlton, every single team that you can think of, we would beat them. We were very, very unstoppable at the time. So um, everyone start, started taking notice. And um, once we got, you know, climbed the ladder with on the 13s and on the 14s, and um, so Harry had to change, we, we had to change managers. And then that's when I think everything were pear-shaped for us after that. Yeah, do you wish that Harry could have carried on with you? I, f- I wish he did, yeah, because he had influence all over us. Um, you know, we would listen to him and because we had him previously with Mottingham in the Sunday League, so it was just, you know, it makes sense that, you know, we he, he came with us and um, we were very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? We were very, um, not scared, but, we, were, we, you know, we gave him a lot of respect. So it was like we had to, you know, do well for him and for ourselves as well. So it was, I think once they changed him, that's when, you know, 
um, lot of us went astray a little bit. <clears throat> so obviously it's a side that you know locally was known to a lot of like the youth clubs and stuff. Was there like um was there like uh, any players that kind of went on to other levels with you with you guys, or has anyone else made a career in the game, so to speak, that we might know of? Um yeah, Pierre Sweeney. There was you know I'm I'm sure you know Pierre. Pierre played at the yeah exactly uh, Charlie that. Earn, Marvin Elliott. You know all of that 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 clique. They went on to you know had a good career. Mm-hmm. So. Who were you youth coaches after that? Um, we had um, Alan McCleary. Yeah, Alan McCleary, Maka. Um, Kevin O'Callaghan. Um, who else? Uh, Nicky Milo, you know, sadly passed away. For um, We had uh, Les Briley, um, Mark Anderson. Um, so, yeah, we had few, few, few coaches, you know, for our time at Millwall. And um, obviously then after... In the first team, Matt McGee came. Uh, Rhino as well was there at the time as well before. My, <laughs> you know, uh, nice, nice times. You know, just talking about it now, I'm just, you know, remembering the times that we really had that meal. Yeah, well, Alan McCleary and uh, and certainly Les Briley, they were absolute hard nuts. They must have Especially... Especially Alan McCleary, mate. Honestly, he was a it was a tough nut to crack. Put it that way. <laughs> so, so then you started progressing, and you won England under fifteen honours, which was yeah. So, uh, at fifteen, yeah, yeah. So at fifteen, we um, I had a call up for. Well, it was about at first. It was the England trials, and um, I think it was like fifty of us. And I remember uh, me and David Bentley, who was an Arsenal player. Yeah. Um, we stood at the on the sides, everyone's playing. So I was like, oh God, everyone's playing. We're not getting picked here. I remember Bentley just nudged me and said, listen, they know what we can do, mate. We're first in the sheet. That's we, We're first to be picked. That's why we're standing here. And he was absolutely right. So we were the first people that was, you know, that was selected for England on the 15th. And then, yeah, I was chuffed to bits, to be honest. So you didn't even get on in a trial match? Well, we did. We did. But after there were so many games that was going on. So, we just started, you know, we, we already, I thought we already done what we could do. So they just picked us and said, right, you two just stand there and watch. And I was like, no, we, we failed, mate, honestly. But he was right, mate. He said, look, trust me, they know we can do that. So we're here. And um, he was absolutely right. So what was the euphoria like going from that low up to that high when all of a sudden you find out that you <coughs> were picked and that you hadn't failed? Oh. Like, it was the best feeling of my life, honestly. I was so happy and, you know, I couldn't believe it because I, after that they said, look, fine, we'll get, you know, we'll let everyone know, but we already knew sort of thing. So after that we had a um, first England call-up was against Northern Ireland. So we had to get a letter from, uh, from from England to the school, to my parents and to Millwall as well. And I remember coming from school and my mum just opened the door and just said, you've been picked for England? You've been picked. And I was just, oh, it was the greatest moment because prior to that I used to watch the um the Victory Shield so I was sitting myself in, in the sofa just watching it and then I something clicked to my mind I said well, I want to do what they're doing I want to be playing for England one day so to get that letter it was like a dream come true mate honestly and that's almost like your first foot on the ladder to the professional yeah. game isn't it yeah yeah absolutely and um everything changed after that it just went from <laughs> from someone from no one to just yeah everything just changed for me after that. Did you find that you were something of a local personality after that? That that 
that obviously your name started getting in the paper and people started <laughs> recognizing you the girls started recognizing <laughs> yeah i did i did to be honest um you know obviously coming from peckham there's not you know peckham is a very people claim it is a very hostile place a lot of drugs a lot of gangs and a lot of um you know problems that goes on with it so to come from peckham and there was someone like uh, rio ferdinand that just done it and made it so for me to do that as well to be getting recognized it was it was unbelievable and um you know i was all over the papers because at this time i think it was my first game for england against northern ireland that's when you know everyone started taking notice as well because um that's when the big guns start calling and i was just everywhere on the papers and stuff so even to walk on the street everyone could recognize me and this is the time that i actually thought well this is this is serious then yeah, it's not that good if you want to get away with anything, I suppose. People actually really can't. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you were churning in school. Yeah. <laughs> you, you talk about the gang culture. Yeah. It was fairly prevalent, as you said, and obviously everybody knows what Peckham was like at that kind mm. of time. Mm. But there were two paths you could have gone down, really, wasn't there? And Exactly, exactly. You, um, plastic, you went down that path rather than the other path yeah 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 it was um um for me i i i i was a strong person i my, i had a vision and very at a very young age and um once i tasted the 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 the, the, the football sort of thing i knew where i wanted to be um i had friends that were up to no good and i remember when i was going training and they'll be like why are you going training for you just want a lot of football and this this and that let's go and hang out i said no i got to go training so you know, I, I knew straight away that this is the path that I want to take. And um, luckily, you know, um, with a very, you know, uh, my mum and dad as well that, you know, kept on me and stuff. So I'm glad that I stuck to the right <laughs> right path, put it that way. Yeah, well, it helps if you've got the right kind of people around you and that the, you know, those that are going down the wrong way, you've got people that will kind of rang you in and pull you back. I've always said this, and I think for me, it's personally, it was in me and also my, my, my parents as well. But the people that were around me weren't necessarily the best for me because they'll always try to pull me to the wrong sides as well. So the fact that I had a, um, uh, uh, um, I'm very mentally strong. So um, I, even at that young age as well. So that helped me as well a lot because otherwise, I've, like I said, I could have gone the wrong direction if I was a little bit weak and, and um, not, you know, not weak, but easily influenced, I would say. You, you you spoke about when you got in the England on the 15 side and the big clubs came calling for you. I think uh, Arsenal, Man United, Leeds mm -hmm. and Arsenal. Or... Yeah, Arsenal, Man United, Leeds and Liverpool. Yeah, but that must have been a head turner. Oh, my head was all over the place, mate. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, oh, what? and the thing is, I'm a United fan, but I fell in love with Liverpool because um, the way they treated me, the way they spoke to me, the way they made me feel so special. I ended up picking Liverpool because um, just how Gerard Julia was with me, the players, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, Emil Helsky, uh, Steven Gerrard, they were just magnificent with me. And um it was no brainer for me just to say Liverpool, even though, as I said, I'm a United fan. So after that, I decided that I wanted to go Liverpool, but then unfortunately it didn't happen, mate. <laughs> so were you 15, 16 at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I was 15. Yes, I was 15. Yes. So for you, obviously, you know, you kind of taken on the kind of the whole world and like Neil said, obviously 
going from school to Millwall, then to England. And it must, you yeah. must have thought, I've kind of cracked this here, sort of. No, almost, I was of... like, you know, I was unstoppable. I was unstoppable. I was in my head. I was unstoppable, and I thought I've made it. I made it. And what didn't help, which we will touch on, as I said earlier, was the people around me because they didn't tell me the the, the right things. They didn't. Um, they didn't tell me what I. They always wanted to tell me what I wanted to hear. You understand? Instead of being honest with me and telling me, right, this is what I needed to do and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, I thought I was a, I was a very, I would say, arrogant with it because, you know, I can say that now, but at the time I was only young. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, but looking back now, I was very arrogant with it. I thought I was better than everyone else. Well, I was good. And I thought that there, no one could lace my boots on a football field. That's how I felt <laughs> because I would produce it all the time. But, that was not the way to go about with it. You had to have um, a little bit of, um, you know, um, just just down to earth and just be level-headed. And I didn't have that at the time. I suppose in a sense, though, if you're a striker and you're scoring goals, you, you back yourself, you're kind of thinking, I am this good. So I, you can see both sides of it, I suppose. In that sense, exactly, exactly, exactly. And I was young as well, so. Do you um, think it was wrong that Liverpool were able to offer Millwall £1.5 million pound for a 15-year-old and turn his head in that way, <laughs> um, I don't know actually because um, just before that that deal came through, Jermaine Pennant left Notts County and went to Arsenal. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, exactly. So I think for me, looking back now, I wish I was not hyped and that wasn't involved in it. I wish I was those kids that would go through the back door and not be seen, not be heard, and just do my stuff and then get to the level that I'm supposed to get with me. Looking back now. But then, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's um, it's a tough one to answer. Yeah, was it difficult when your head's been turned by yeah, by the likes of Liverpool? You've seen around Melwood, I guess, was a training ground. Yeah. yeah. You went to and you're meeting all of these star players and it puts um, ideas in your head, really, doesn't it? Yeah, you know, you can, you can say yes and you can say no because um, I think, you know, every kid or every player wants to play at the highest level. And for me, being at Millwall and a Liverpool, like some, uh, uh, a team like Liverpool or Man United comes for you, you want to go. You want to go. That's just the bottom line because you want to play at the highest level and test yourself with the best. But having said that, uh, maybe it could have been handled a little bit better where I didn't have to know or the media didn't have to know or anybody they have to know. But if clubs can just, you know, have a chat amongst themselves and make us, you know, as smooth as a transition for for, for for myself and for, my, you know, my, my career. Yeah, because I've read somewhere, it might actually have been in your book, there was a picture of the back page of the South London Press, was it? <laughs> yeah. 1.5 million pound bid, that kind of thing. Well, that's the, that's the media though, isn't it? So um, I think they didn't help. They didn't help with, uh, in, in, in a sense for Millwall and they didn't help in the sense of for Liverpool and especially for me as a 15-year-old because that has a damage on me since my book came out because um, it was always in my head. And um, you can imagine how I was feeling at, a 15, at, at that age, 15. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't, all of a sudden, I couldn't go to the shop anymore. You know, I, all of a sudden, I couldn't play in a park with my mates anymore because of the pressure and everybody was just talking, especially in Peckham. So it was difficult. It was a difficult time for me and my family. Do you do you blame Millwall for not accepting any offers for you? Um, yes and no. Yes and no. Um, 
I blame them because, as I said earlier, it's um, any any kid's dream to play at the highest level. So they should have at least made me realize that and just say, right, you know what, you know, this is this is what he wants. Because I was asked if I wanted to go, and I said, hell yeah, Liverpool, come on, <laughs> you know, I'd, I would want to go. But at the same time as well, I don't blame them because they had a price asset of one of their stars that was coming up. So it's only right that, you know, they kept hold of me as well because they, they gave me the opportunity and they gave me the chance and they gave me the platform to be able to show the likes of Liverpool and United for them to be even coming for me. So again, yes and no. When you say you would have been asked, uh, sorry, was it would it have been Fib Fetus or would it have been McGee in that time or who would have been the kind of... Uh, Bob, Bob, Bob Pearson. Bob Pearson. How is he? Is he still alive? I don't know. Is he, yeah, do you know him? Yeah, no, Bobby's still alive. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> it's good to hear. <laughs> so, so, I think you went on strike, didn't you? Yeah, but did you go on strike or did you just stop? Yeah, so, <laughs> so what so what happened was um when the deal didn't go through, because I remember my dad just called me from the kitchen and uh, from upstairs to the kitchen and said, Look, um the deal's off, you're not going anywhere. And I just broke down on the kitchen. I just broke down on the kitchen floor, I just started crying my eyes out and just going, Why, why, why? You know, I just I just lost it. Then I said something bizarre happened. I said to myself, if I was to stay back in this game, all I cared about was I want to make sure I'm financially stable. That's all I cared about after that. I was 15 years old and I'm thinking like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you know what I mean, Neil? So, yeah, but that's your African mum telling you that, isn't it? Make sure you're financially stable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just like, I shouldn't be thinking like that. So, um, but that's what I thought. And then um, I said, right, I don't want nothing to do with football. Um, I don't want to play football anymore. This is it. I'm just going to have fun with my mates and that's it. So I stopped playing for six months. Um, and I think they were they were going on tribunal with um, with Millwall at the time. So after that, after six months, my, fr- my friend said, look, come on, you've got a God-given talent. Just go back. My parents then also said, you know, you've got God-given talent. Just go back and just, you know, we see how it out. So we had a meeting, uh, me, Bob Pearson, and I think it was three hours old, my agent at the time, and my mom and my dad. So we come to an agreement that I will come back and I was guaranteed a three-year professional contract by the time I was 17. And um, I went back, but going back, the damage was already done. I didn't care about anything about football after that. I was just going back for the sake of going back, but I was traumatised, I was hurt. I was bitter. I was angry. I became this person that I was not. I became, um, I became very, very, very bitter with life and everything and with everybody. And I was just, that's the start of my again, depression. Yeah. Well, actually in your book, you say that you're arrogant with a chip on your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, because is, Yeah. Well, that is some admission to make as a 15 year old. Yeah, because I went back and um, I didn't care. And as I said, um, if we was to do 10 runs, I would only do four of it and said, no, nah, I don't need this. If we was to sit, 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 you know, uh, stay back to do half an hour shooting practice, I'd probably do about five minutes and say, right, that's it. I've had enough. Gym session, cutting corners. So I didn't apply myself because I had a chip on my shoulder. That's what I meant. Yeah, was that the beginning of the end, really, do you think? 
Um, that's when I came back after the six months that I took the break. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you think that was the beginning of the end? That yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah, was yeah. all I bad. Thought, it. Yeah, yeah, because I already knew in my head I'm only doing this now to make sure that financially I'm stable in my family. It used to be hard to find the exact auto parts you needed, and that meant spending a lot of time at swap meets. It's a different game now when you can order exactly what you need from eBay Motors. They have 122 million parts, so you can always find the right fitment. Spend less time searching and more time building with the eBay Motors app or visit ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Progressive is America's number one motorcycle insurer, so we understand motorcycles. No, really, we have a bike translator. Okay, so this bike says she is struggling with her place in the motorcycle community. Well, she says she hasn't peaked yet, but she's having a little epiphany. Okay. Oh, that maybe life itself is the peak. Hmm, interesting. In my experience, I found that... Oh, so I just translate. Not allowed to have opinions. Got it. Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. So there was quite a lot of resentment there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, my heart was gone, you know, and a lot of people don't realize this or don't know this. They don't know this, you know, they always... And everyone talks about, you know, but I fell out of love with the game at the age of 15. And that's, 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 that's unbelievably sad. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, uh, even talking about it now, I get emotion sometimes because it was something that I just fell out of love with it. You know, um, it's, it's hard. <laughs> you actually put your whole mind in your body. Yeah. towards this one goal of becoming yeah. a professional footballer. Yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you yeah. bang, you don't like it. I, I yeah. can't even begin to think what that feels like, especially at 15. Yeah, it's horrible. It was horrible. Um, I didn't like to go training, but I had to go out and just go train. I didn't want to do anything. I just didn't want to apply myself properly because, as I said, the appetite was gone already for the game. So well, then you progressed into the youth ranks, and I think think you were paid more than some first team members. <laughs> yeah, so because I was guaranteed a, a three year pro at age of seventeen, as I said earlier, all I cared about was making sure I'm financially stable. So when I became seventeen, I was getting paid most of the first team players, which was a bizarre, but it was what it was. And um, um, yeah, so I was just going through the motions. Um, I was. You know, I was playing for the under-17s at the age of 16. And then when I was 17, I was playing for the 17s. I was playing for the 18s and I was playing for the 19s. And I became 19 and I was still playing for the 19s and the reserves, which means I have not developed, which means I didn't achieve what I should have achieved. That's nothing to do with anybody, but it was something to do with myself because you got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, have you applied yourself? And I did it because, um, as I said, I lost appetite for the game and... I didn't want to try hard enough. Do you think in some ways Millwall wrecked your career because because you say in your book that Brentford wanted you and they wouldn't let you go as a punishment and that they sent Ben May instead? Well, that was more like punishing Brentford, wasn't it? I had a... I... <laughs> Sorry, guys. I think I had a cool... Yeah, I had a... Um, uh, I had a talk one time I was coming out and... Um, I don't, yeah, I had a talk with one of the coaches and said, look, Cherno, I could have looked after you, but you tried to mess us. And this is why Brentford came in for you, but I'm not letting you go. Instead, Ben May's game. And I could just couldn't believe it. I just stood there like, seriously? 
And that was it. That was it. Wouldn't have made more sense for Millwall to have sent you out on loan at that time rather than keep an angry young man at the club to punish him because you might have gone away and you might have thought, actually, Millwall's not that bad. Um, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. As I said, look, Millwall is my boyhood club. You understand? It's my boyhood club and um, it's, they gave me the platform and they gave me the, the chance, you know. Um, they were just doing what they were doing to protect the club, and I understand, and I fully understand. So I don't have nothing against me. I still support me now. I go to the den and watch the games. So, but I don't think it's the club itself. It's the people that was working for the club at the time. Let's let's make this very clear. It's not the it's not the club because the, the, the club itself. It's a you know, it's a beautiful club. You know what I mean? Because I grew up there. I've done my life there at the age of you know, 12, 13, all the way to 19. And even before that, I was going there and watching the games and stuff. So it's not the it's not the club, but it's the people that was working for the club. And these people, they didn't have the best interests of us sometimes. And um, they're the ones that strive for me. But as a whole, as a club, then um, I don't have nothing against the club. Definitely. Because you seem to have a hate hate relationship with Kevin O'Callaghan I think judging by your book <laughs> I wouldn't say hate I wouldn't go that far because hate is a very strong word but um, we you didn't get an easy on. relationship yeah we, we didn't get on we didn't get on I'll, I'll, I can I can say that you know we didn't get on and I think um, if he'd only just looked after me a little bit better just give me a pack in the back every now and then just you know just be there because sometimes some, certain players are different. You know, some players are, you know, you, you've got to be tough on them. Some players, they need the love. And at that stage in my career, I mean, I, listen, I don't need the love from anybody to to, to perform anyway because, you know, I, I can perform with, you know, in, in myself and just help myself to, to, to be able to perform. But at that stage, at that young age, I needed someone to just guide me as a coach and just just be there for me as a support network. That's what I would say. Do you think it'd be a little bit different if it happened now? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. You mean like as old as I'm now, or no? You know, if you were there now, and the same sort of thing happened, they're not so old school now, are they? There's a lot <clears> more <throat> modern thinking. They probably would put their arm around you and say, "Look, sure, now come on, like." Yeah, exactly. I think so as well because um, that's all I needed at the time. That's all I needed, you know, just to just put your arm around me and said, it'll be fine. Just work hard. You're only 15, 16. Um, because that's what it was. The fact that I didn't go to Liverpool, I only I, I barely started my career to even f- thinking about finishing it. So if I just knuckled down mm. and with the right support and the right guidance, then I can still go to Liverpool later on, if you get what I mean. Right, yeah. <laughs> So it's still going to be there because you've because you've gone into the first thing you've done well, exactly. and then Liverpool will come knocking. Okay, they might have to pay a few quid for you, but so be it. Exactly, and then Millwall deserves it anyway. So, but yeah, just the people that were working there at the time that I disagree with, but um, they're all gone now. So <laughs> the club's in good shape. <laughs> because you actually had an unusual situation towards the end of your Millwall career. Mm-hmm. When you had a trial game for Portsmouth, 
<laughs> Can you imagine, eh? Against Millwall. Oh, God. Yeah, you against know my what? old team, mate. Okay. <laughs> so you have a trial game for Portsmouth at yeah. Millwall while she's still a Millwall player. Unbelievable, mate. Eh? you play in that game. I got kicked lump out. They've kicked me the lump out of me that game, mate, honestly. <laughs> I couldn't perform. It's just, you know, it was the, one of the worst experiences ever, honestly. The ball was bouncing on my... F- oh, it was just horrible. Horrible. Yeah, was it Harry Redknapp? Sorry. Yeah, it was Harry Redknapp at the, at the time, at the Portsmouth, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. an absolutely ludicrous, mad idea. Unbelievable. I didn't... The, the thing is, I think it was me as well, because I wanted to prove a point and I wanted to play in that game so badly. I remember, you know, the, 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 when they spoke to me, I said, oh, it's against Millwall. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah that's the first thing that came out of my mouth but then I was you know relaxed a little bit and said right you know what I want to play that game I want to play against my mates and you know shove it down them again and you know all this thing. you know when you go through your head you're thinking you're you know whatever and you're just, you're yeah exactly <laughs> exactly so when change did you go into your own dressing room or the away dressing room <laughs> when we first got there because I was I said to them Portsmouth I said look I live like 15 minutes away from there. Can I just, instead of coming all the way to meet you guys, can I just, you know, go to go to the Grand? Like, yeah, that makes sense. Just go to the Grand and we meet you there. So when I got there, I went straight to the home changing room. Just started talking to my mates. <laughs> just waiting for Portsmouth to come. And then um, after that, then I went to the away gesture room. And then, yeah, it was it was a crazy experience. Probably, actually, probably one of the most craziest experiences. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was definitely. story. It was definitely, definitely one that I want to quickly forget. <laughs> because you were just starting to come towards the end of your time mm. at Millwall. Then I think you left at the end of that three-year contract, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. At nineteen, then um, Dennis Wise came in. He was a player manager at first, and then after he became the manager uh, full time. And then um, yeah, so after that, my contract was not getting renewed, so I wanted to leave anyway, and. Um, uh, a club in Spain called Cadiz. They knew about my situation. They've been tracking me throughout. Just called my agent and said, we will have some of that. So I signed a four-year contract with them. Obviously, you never went on. You don't know, never got into the team full-time, did you? I mean, you never got to make Well, I went to... Mark McGee took me to um, to Germany. So we went to Germany on pre-season. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was adamant coming back, I'll be the first team. 110% because we played some games and I actually did well in the games. In um, Where did we go? Yeah, Germany went, I think we went Sweden first, then Germany, you know, Germany first, then Sweden. But then um, I played some of the games and I was so sure coming back pre-season, I really had a good pre- uh, pre-season. I'll be with the first time. So as soon as he came back, he said, right, <laughs> get back with the reserves. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of last straw for you in a sense kind of no, mate, it's chances another one yeah, yeah. exactly mate <laughs> I, I mean obviously you're <clears throat> about obviously you know the timings of it nowadays to the, obviously no social media and stuff but there was a lot of fanfare about you with regards to a certain game called Championship Manager wasn't there yeah I, mean, I know you I know you've been asked this probably a thousand times in interviews mate millions of so. times mate and I love it <laughs> <laughs> so obviously you had I imagine do you know who the person that put you in the game as a high rate have you ever met that person or because obviously people don't know you was a, a high potential player obviously after your transfer rumours and obviously the yeah. deal that nearly happened and stuff and then <clears> a lot of people even myself I remember being about nine or ten years old having the game and I remember seeing your name in there thinking 
oh, who's this person? Seeing what you're going to get doing the game. I mean, <laughs> how, did, how did that come about? Do you, can, you, can you remember when you, you thought of it? Basically, after, um, I think it was after my second England game against Wales. I remember at, at Mill, and um, one of my mates came out and said, oh, do you know about this championship manager? I'm like, what are you talking about? And he went, it's a game, mate. Unbelievable you are on it. I'm like, seriously? Just when I bought it. And then I looked at it, looked at the stats in there. I'm like, whoa. Started playing it, mate. <laughs> love it. Absolutely love it, mate. And then since then, it's just, you know, stayed with me. You know, I always say to people, I'll be 101 with a stick and people will still come to me and talk to me about football manager and I'll be still listening and talking to them, honestly, because it is what it was. Do you know what I mean? And that's even without, I mean, this is what it's like, social media nowadays, you know, yeah. it might amplify things, but to have that, obviously before social media still be prominent and still obviously have it to this day. It's, it's yeah. definitely something cool to have, isn't it? Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. You know, I like the gamers because I did some advert with them. I think it was 2017, the advert. I did it for them. And, um, you know, I love the game, mate. I love the game. And sometimes I use it as well. Because I remember um, <laughs> when I was ordering one of my phones and um, so the guy, my network provider spoke to me and said, look, I said, look, I want to order this iPhone. And he said, yeah, no problem, mate. But it's going to be about at least three months wait I'm like yeah no problem I just want to put my name down so <laughs> he said alright no problem what's your name I said Cherno mm-hmm. he went surname I went Sam but he goes no is that the Cherno Sam the championship manager legend I went yeah <laughs> he goes mate listen that phone's coming next day delivery don't worry about waiting for two, <laughs> three months mate <laughs> so yeah <laughs> superb so that was good <laughs> because you're really championship manager was bigger than FIFA of that course it was. Time. Of course it was. I think it's still bigger than FIFA now. What are you saying? Yeah, <laughs> I think it's bigger than FIFA now, mate. <laughs> so it must have been some kind of kudos as a 15-year-old to be in championship manager. Yeah, but by the way, you always actually turned me down when I tried to sign. Oh, did I? <laughs> Sorry about that, mate. <laughs> Yeah, I get that as well. I get a lot of people say, oh, you do want to, you know, come to my team and all these stories, mate. <laughs> Brilliant. Because obviously it's a long time ago. Is it great that people still come up to you and say, you're Cherno Sam? Yeah, mate, honestly, I love it. I love it. I love the game, mate. As I said, I did the advert in 2017. So, you know, I still did a little bit of work with the gamers. So, I'm, I'm, I love it, mate. Honestly, it's it's one of them ones that will be with me for the rest of my life, mate. And I love it. <laughs> because you were named, I think, one of the best all-time whiz yeah. weren't yeah. you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's there. Yeah, you know, we. I think it was me and um, uh, Freddie Adu, and you know, I heard from his experience. He hates the game, by the way. So um, he thinks that the game messed up his career and stuff like that. But. You know, for me, I hate I hate excuses, and I think um, you know life itself is pressured. So, let alone anything else, so you've got to look at yourself in the mirror sometimes. But, and I think it was nothing to do with the games and stuff. Yeah, would you get free championship manager for life or football manager for life? No? <laughs> yeah, exactly, mate. <laughs> <laughs> do your own kids play it now, or no? I've got well, I've got uh, two girls, so yeah, they're not into football, unfortunately. So tell us, what are you up to these days? Yeah, well, so, um, yeah, so, sorry? Yeah, well, we've been through Football Manager, we've been through Millwall. You started a team in Gambia, didn't you? And I think you were... Yeah, yeah. I did. I After my uh, second England game, my agent said to me, you know, I think you should give something back. 
to where he was born. So what do you want to do? I said, well, I want to have a football club. <laughs> I don't know why I said that, but yeah, I said, I want to have a football club. And that's, this was in um, 2004, we opened it. So he said, okay, I will go up there and then set it up for you. So we, came, we went to Gambia and then just scouted all the talents and then started with Cherno Samba Academy. And then from there, we creeped it out from there to go and register for the, um, for the league. And then within one year, they got promoted to the first division and now they're playing in the top league in Gambian football. So we, 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 we sponsored them, me and my, me and my, me and my partner. We, um, you know, support them, pay their wages and all this stuff. So yeah, it's good. It's good doing that. And then now I'm also a um, representative. I did my coaching badges. Um, <clears throat> did it with Frank Lampard, by the way, actually. So, <laughs> um, picture of you and Frank. yeah, yeah. So, um, so after that, he got the Derby job. And um, so I did that. But then what was happening was I was coaching, but I was getting so many calls from players, sports, um, sporting directors, managers. And um, they were just talking to me to talk to some of their players, to tell them the pitfalls of the game, trying to guide them and mentor them so that, you know, they can avoid what's happened to me and, you know, to happen to them and stuff. So I thought, you know, I had a vision after I retired to say I wanted to give something back and help the next generation of players, whether that is into uh, coaching or representing them. So it was getting too much of it, getting phone calls from parents as I thought, you know what, it just makes sense for me to do the transition to become a player representative. And now I am, and I'm helping a lot of players as well. So, which is so that, you know, they don't go through what I went through because what, what I went through, mate, I've been battered and stamped with agents and all sorts and mate. So, yeah, so that's where I am at the minute. You mentioned the coaching there, Sony. I mean, um, did you have no aspirations to go straight into coaching at a youth level for a club? Or? Yeah, 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 I did. I did. I was helping out at Spurs, at Tottenham, uh, with John McDermott. So um, so I did that. And also at Fulham, at um, uh, with uh, Colin. Colin, he's the under-23 managers. So I help him out as well with Junior Elite. He's got a, an academy in Croydon, which is very good. All oh, Wambasaka. You know, all of those players come from there as well. Very, very, very strong place. A um, lot of talent. So I help out with that as well. So I did all that. But as I said, I was just getting so many calls from sporting directors, owners and managers and players themselves and parents as well to try and, you know, because they read my book and read my story just to try and guide them and trying to, you know, mentor them and stuff. So I thought it just makes sense to do the transition very easily. So, and that's what I've been doing now. What was your own experience like with agents? Um, it wasn't good because um, looking back now, and this is the reason why I actually uh, become one myself, because I hate the word agent anyway, but I look at them as two types of agents. And um, there are ones that I call, I call them transactional agents, where all they care about is come in, do a deal, bugger off. You never hear from them again until deals about to be done again, they turn up. I've had that done to me and they just, you know, so where you have people like myself who's already been done like that to have the interest of the players, to represent them the right way, to run the race with them, tell them what to do. Tell, all I needed, agents where all I needed was to call me and just say, hi, Cherno, have you slept well? Are you okay? I'm just checking up on you. Five seconds phone call, put your phone down, but you don't even get that. So that's why I'm trying to eradicate that aspect so that the next generation of players, they don't go through what I went through so that they can be ready and to, 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 to you know, at least have a chance in the game. Because I tell you what, there are some dodgy ones out there, mate. 
and um, the players have to be careful because I've been there and there's not a better person to teach these next generation of players than myself. So it's not like I've heard it or anything. It's, um, yeah, it's not like I've heard it or anything. It's I've been in the system. I've been there. I've done it. So, um, yeah, so that's why it's a joy working with, we are working with them to try and guide them. Yeah, we talk about your experiences in your book. You had some dealings with an old friend of mine, Ambrose oh. Mendy. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> How is Ambrose? I wouldn't, I wouldn't heard from him for a long time, mate. Yeah, but he's, just, yeah, but he's still Ambrose. Yeah. Put it that way. Last time I saw him a couple of years ago at a boxing press conference. Yeah, yeah but he's still the same as ever. And right. then, of course, you had the agent that took you to Iran. Yeah, but he wasn't looking after your best interest, mate, was he? And this is this is what I'm in. This is what I'm talking about. So, And this is what motivates me now to be representing these players because they need it. They need it. And um, it's not about um, financial gain. I've made what I've made. I'm financially secure, as I said. Um, so it's nothing to do with that. It's just to run the race with them and guide them and show them the right attribute, you know, the right things that so that they can prepare themselves to go to the top. Otherwise, you know, it's 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 a it's a cruel industry. Some it can be a cruel industry because I remember when I was injured and my agent didn't even pick up the phone to call me, see if I was all right, and he knew I was injured. So little things like that, you know, all you need, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, it doesn't cost anything just to call your player and just say, How are you, Neil? How are you, Omar? How are you doing today? You know, sleep well. Have a good day. Doesn't cost that, does it? It doesn't cost anything. But sometimes they don't even they're not even there for that. But when it's time to do a deal, they'll be the first person to call you. Oh, your deal's about to expire. So what are we saying? You know? <laughs> so, it's not so much even how you are about the agency side. It's even when you talk about the story of when you was 15, 16 and your friends around you and stuff, you, you've really learned from them experiences and keen to kind of drum it into the future generation, aren't you? Exactly. So there is this is why I'm the perfect person. I'm not trying to sell myself here, but I'm the perfect <laughs> person to guide the next generation of players because I've been where they are, where they're going to be. I've been there, you know, I'm a living proof of that. So, and it motivates me and it just makes me happy to talk to these and trying to stay away, stay them away from these, you know, bad apples, mate. Yeah, because you were, because your parents were offered, what, £25,000 for you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. An agent. And I know now of... Agents that are signing up youngsters from Chelsea and they're giving half a million pound down, wow. down wow. payments and then 50% of the first deal that they negotiate. Right. So yeah. it's absolutely mad, isn't it? The money that is thrown well, around. And this is this is what I don't, you know, I don't condone, and this is what I don't agree with, and this is what motivates me to be in there to make sure that I help these players. And um they need to know who they can trust. They need to know who they talk to and they need to know who they want to work with because, you know, they've got to be very careful. And um, so I'm here. My hands are open for every one of them. So what's your stable of players like? Have you got anybody that we might know? So I've just got a kid that was a Guinean kid that I sold to, or sold to, but yeah, Watford signed him. Um, he's a top one. He's only 18. Um, look out for him. His name is Jibril Fangitore. Really, really handful striker. So he's one of them that I've got really high hope of. So are you bringing over you African lads? Um, just players from here as well. Just just players from here. 
you know, I had a boy, I've got a boy as well who's, play, who's playing for Malmo, Malmo in Sweden. Um, we've got boys everywhere in around Europe as well. So um, it's um, um, just, 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 the, just to guide the kids. And the agency that i collaborating with, they're the one that looked after Mo Salah. And um, um, we've done a deal as well for Samata. Uh, that was at Aston Villa and moved him to Fenerbahce. So, um, and he was my latter part of my career, my agent, the ones that, that, that I'm working with. And then since I finished, I thought it just made sense to collaborate with him. So we've been, you know, we've got high quality players that, you know, we're trying to help. And with my input and my experience, it's no brainer. Do you feel it's important to have a smaller pool of players because then you can have that personal relationship <clears throat> with rather than have 40 or 50 players that you can't keep in contact with? Absolutely. Absolutely. A small pool of players, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't hurt. And um, and even you know even if you have whatever, it's just it does it doesn't cost anything just to be there for your place, you know. It's just it's the moral thing, isn't it? <laughs> I find it hard. Just you know, I find it I find it you know very difficult. Why? Because I I I, I that happened to me, and that's why I keep you know going on about it and emphasizing it. So it's just it's just sad, and um, I hope these players wake up and know who they deal with and stuff. Because um, I'm here to eradicate a lot of things, mate. I'll tell you that. No, of course. And John, I mean, I think we're probably coming to the end of the course of this uh, yeah. podcast today. Is there anything you wanted to plug to us, obviously, today? Just so you can put out there to people that, obviously, I see on Twitter, you're quite active on there a lot of the time. You need to post stuff on there quite often. Yeah, just, nah, just, um, you know, for me, it's just, if you can plot my book, that's, that's all it is. So, um, because cool. my story is just there for everyone to see. And just my book says it all, mate. Honestly, Cherno Samba still in the game. There you go. <laughs> you love that, Neil, don't you? <laughs> yeah, you have Amazon and all good bookshops. Right. I think even I want to go and grab it because obviously the story is tricky today, Cherno. It's, it's a great story. Obviously, you know, you're the highs and the lows, but it's good to see how you are nowadays and trying yeah. to help future generations. So I really appreciate your time today. No worries, man. No worries. A pleasure having you guys as well. Thank you very much. Take care, mate. Take care. Bye bye. No worries. Cheers, Cherno. Thank you.
just how fast is Xfinity Internet? Well, it's fast! Like multi-gig speed supersonic, how'd they even do that fast? It's so fast it makes gaming more intense than ever before. Almost a little too intense. The fastest internet on the largest gig speed network. Only from Xfinity. Made to do anything so you can do anything. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary and are not guaranteed. New message. What up, what up? It's Heather's cousin. You dated her in college, or maybe you were just in the same class. Anyway, I heard you bought a boat, my man. Let's hit the water. Oh, and Heather told me you always liked, uh, snacks and stuff, so I could totally bring some chips. When you get a boat, you also get new friends. Make sure Progressive's one of them, and get coverage today for as little as $100 a year. Hey, also, I'm a little short on cash, so can you cover the chips? Thanks. I can see why Heather liked you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.